Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Fans First Sports Network's Draft Recap Series. I'm Jeremy Betts, joined by Andrew Wilbar. You can find us on the Steel Curtain Network on the show The Steelers Fix, breaking down all things Pittsburgh Steelers draft and offseason as they build the roster. But for now, we're handling the draft recaps for FFSN, the all-new sports network for every sports fan, no matter what team you like what sport it is fans first sports network is there for you we're talking nfl draft we're talking nfl football we're going to be talking nfc east today andrew let's talk just real briefly give us an overview and how you feel about each of these teams heading into 2023 based on the selections that they made just last week yeah this may be the best division in the nfc right now the nfc is wide open after philadelphia you have san francisco you have seattle you have the lions who really improved their team well you still have the giants who with an improved Daniel Jones, you know, if he can take another step forward this year, you're talking about a guy who's moving toward, you know, maybe being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, which is crazy to think about. Dallas, they can't seem to get over the hump in the playoffs. Typical Cowboys. But then again, they have the talent on defense, and they yeah, only they added to it on both defense and offense. We'll talk about their picks in just a second. But it was an interesting draft. The only question is, did anyone close the gap between themselves and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into it in a minute, Jeremy, but I think yeah. you and I would both agree. I don't think anyone did. Yeah, I think, if anything, the Eagles have established themselves yep. 
as the premier talented team in the NFC East. But we're not talking Eagles yet. Let's talk some Cowboys like you were just mentioning. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, you and I do the po- a podcast for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to me, this is this is a very similar team to the Steelers in that they just can't in recent years seemingly get over the playoff hump. And they're there a lot. They're favorites a lot. But they just, for some reason, fall flat on their faces once it, it hits playoff time. And you got to say that the Cowboys have had even a little more success, maybe even than Pittsburgh the last few years, you know, winning a playoff game, but not getting over the hump with some of these better teams. But I think they made some moves, Andrew, that helped push them towards that. Not necessarily saying that they have caught up with the best teams in the NFC, but I think as you look at them, you've got to think that they're one of, of the top three, four or five teams in that conference. You know, th- their draft only helped them, like you mentioned. So let's take a look at this draft class. First round, they took massive Michigan defensive tackle, nose tackle, Mozzie Smith, who <laughs> that's just scary on that defense. Andrew, I'm sure you agree. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, two Michigan boys back to back for the Dallas Cowboys. They needed tight end help. So this is a big move for them. And then one of my favorite players in the entire draft class selected by the Cowboys in the third round to Marvian overshone inside linebacker, Billy Fahoko in the fourth round at defensive end, Asim Richards offensive tackle out of North Carolina in the fifth round in the sixth round, they had two selections. They selected Eric Scott jr. Out of Southern miss a cornerback and running back Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas state, a great story about Deuce Vaughn. If you haven't seen it, go on Twitter, go wherever you can and see Deuce Vaughn's dad asking him if he wanted to come to work with him tomorrow at the Cowboys. Fantastic family moment. That's what it's all about. In the seventh round, they brought in a wide receiver out of South Carolina, Jalen Brooks, to round out their class. Andrew, let's go back and talk about Mozzie Smith, your favorite pick in this class for the Dallas Cowboys. Tell us why, outside of the fact that he's one of your Michigan boys, Andrew. People underestimate the potential that Mozzie Smith has. Well, he didn't test as well as we thought he could. He can test better, trust me. He is the best athlete along any defensive line prospect, and that includes Jalen Carter in this draft. Well, this guy doesn't have any sack production, only a half sack. True. Dig into the tape a little bit further. Mm. Look into the scheme that Michigan plays and the philosophy Michigan abides by. Yeah, going back to the days of when Christopher Hinton was there with Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo. You can go back to the days of when Rashawn Gary was there on the edge. Ever since Jim Harbaugh was there specifically, Michigan prioritizes the pass rush from their pass rushers on the edge. Mm-hmm. Their interior linemen, they expect to be top-notch run defenders. They don't ask them to do much of anything in terms of pass rushing. They want them to stop the run, and that's how Michigan's defense works. And that's how it's worked for so long. Michigan generates pressure off the edge, but inside the middle, they want to stop the run in between the tackles. And they did that successfully. Mozzie Smith helped Michigan become one of the best run-defending teams in the country. And when you saw toward the end of the year, as he was freed a little bit more, he didn't get sack production, but he had a lot more pressures. He was pushing that pocket. This guy wins with power. He's got pure power this guy will develop some moves as time goes on i believe he's going to improve as a pass rusher but this guy when you look at dallas's defense they brought in stefan gilmore they have pieces in the secondary yeah that are at least temporary fixes you have micah parsons a generational talent at linebacker you have good a good pass rusher already the only thing they really could have improved upon was the nose tackle position to help their run defense and help keep micah parsons and the other linebackers clean 
this pick did it. This wasn't the direction I expected Dallas to go. I expected them to go offense, but this pick makes so much sense looking at it now. I love Mozzie Smith's fit with Dallas. He is an excellent selection in the first round. I think he makes this defense probably, if it wasn't already, the best defense in the league. Yeah, they're trending that direction. Absolutely. Let's talk about your least favorite pick. It was an, it was another Michigan player, but this time Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end, who many had pegged as one of the most well-rounded tight ends in this class, but still you thought maybe it was the worst pick. And, you know, it comes with the caveat that you didn't hate this draft class necessarily. So tell us a little bit about why Luke Schoonmaker was the pick you had the most issue with for the Cowboys. Yeah, Schoonmaker, I didn't hate him. He, I mean, he was a he was productive at Michigan. He became one of the focal points of the offense as the season went along. He's a good inline blocker. He can get out in space. He will work underneath the seam, and he'll make things happen in the passing game. The reason I didn't love the pick is because of who they passed up on. Maybe they weren't comfortable mm-hmm. with Darnell Washington's medicals. Maybe Tucker Kraft. I mean, he's had injuries of his own. But I believe those were two tight ends specifically that they passed up on. There were other tight ends as well we could talk about. They passed up on some talent. I don't feel as if Luke Schoonmaker was the best tight end available. This does fill a need. They needed someone to step in immediately, and I believe Schoonmaker can do that. So I don't hate the pick in general, but I do believe they passed up on better tight ends. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. The fact that some of these other guys were just sitting there and they go ahead and take Schoonmaker was a little bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah, you can definitely see the issue that, and maybe even Cowboys fans, you're having this issue as well. It's like, why do we take the guy we haven't really heard about as much as some of these other tight ends that were still on the board? It's going to come down to, you kind of saw this throughout their entire draft class. They had guys they liked, and they weren't afraid to take them a few picks ahead of, of where maybe they had been projected, just because those are the guys that they wanted for their system, for their team, and Luke Schoonmaker kind of fits that bill. I want to talk, Andrew, real quick when we get to best value pick about DeMarvian Overshone, who was my third ranked inside linebacker in this class. I think that he's undersold on his athleticism and his potential. That's just me. Where he was picked the third round, that's probably about right. I just think that he has a chance athletically to become the most dynamic inside linebacker in this class, potentially. And because of that, I think if he were to work out in the way that I think he could, especially paired there with Micah Parsons in that defense, where it's not going to be there to to take over. He's going to have some freedom to kind of be the player that he can be and grow. I I think he can become something special. And if he does, then this is a fantastic value pick in the third round for the Cowboys. Did you have anybody else that hit good value for you? I know we were talking about it beforehand. That's kind of a weird draft. They didn't really have anybody that kind of fell to them necessarily that they picked up that was good value. How do you feel about Overshone? Yeah, I, I didn't think this was necessarily the greatest value per se if you go in based upon ranking, but based upon the lack of talent at the class, and this was a position they wanted to, to address. They wanted to find somebody to play alongside Micah Parsons. So I can understand this pick because of that. That's why I think it's a decent value pick, mm-hmm. even though he's not necessarily where I would feel comfortable taking him as it pertains to the draft board. But I do think he was a solid pick. He's a hometown guy from Texas. I think this guy makes a lot of sense for what Dallas does. But on day three, yeah, it's hard to find a pick I absolutely love. There were some solid yeah. selections, but not any guy I'd jump off and be like, wow, they got to they gotta steal at this point. So that's what you're right. It is a very weird <clears throat> draft. Yeah. Dallas fans, though, I think you can be excited about what your defense is going to look like. 
hopefully you're healthy on offense this year and you can use some of those pieces and become the team that you look like on paper, which should be NFC Conference Championship contender. Andrew, let's give our grades here. I'm grading with my heart a little bit uh, for the Dallas Cowboys here because I really liked Mozzie Smith and DeMarvin Overshone in the draft lead-up process. So I give them a B+. Yeah, I thought about giving them a B. I moved it down to a B minus just because the offensive line and secondary, they still lack depth. They didn't address those positions. I, and again, I felt like they missed out on potentially getting an elite tight end. I think Schoonmaker will be good. But what's his upside compared to Darnell Washington or Tucker Craft? I'm not sure yeah. he has quite that same upside. But then again, only time will tell. Mozzie Smith was a great pick, and I felt like they did round out their roster pretty well. The Giants moving on to another playoff team from the NFC East. We talked about them at the top of the show as a team on the rise. They've got a good coach leading this team. And I think that they had a really good draft as well. If you look at the players that they were able to bring in in the first round, they, they brought in Deontay Banks out of Maryland, the cornerback height, weight, speed guy, just a, a real total package at the cornerback position as far as athletic traits go. So fantastic pick there in the first round for them. John Michael Schmitz in the second round, He's a bully, man, and he's going to be a good pick for them. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Some dynamite added to that wide receiver room. Eric Gray out of Oklahoma. Our boy Eric Gray, Andrew, that we got to interview in this pre-draft process. I think he's got a chance to to earn a role on this team. Sixth round, they selected Trey Hawkins, the third out of Old Dominion, uh, cornerback. And then in the seventh round, they had two selections, and they brought in Jordan Riley, defensive tackle and Javarius Owens out of Houston, a safety. A good draft class overall, Andrew, but tell us who your favorite player that they selected was and why. This was a difficult one. I'm going to go the route of Deontay Banks, not necessarily because I absolutely I thought there was excellent value, nor did I necessarily think he was the best corner on the board, but I do think he's a good fit for the Giants. They did have to move up one spot to get him. The Jaguars were rumored to have liked him, so I understand the trade up. But Deontay Banks is a guy... A lot of people slept on. A lot of people are like, oh, this guy's just a workout warrior. He's not good. Those people did not watch his tape. This guy was a good football player. He shut down half the field for Maryland. He was consistent. He was willing to get in wide receivers' faces. He wasn't afraid to get physical. He's a fluid mover. He can play in both man and zone. I think he's best suited in man. Overall, I felt like this was a solid pick. This was a guy a lot of people were saying could go as high as the top 15 picks. Yeah. So getting him at this point in the draft, I felt was solid value. Yes, they could have gone the route of Joey Porter Jr. I I felt like this was a, a pick the Giants needed to make. Corner was their biggest need. They saw some corners flying off the board with Emmanuel Forbes and that some other guys started going off the board. Okay, we got to go up and get our guy. So they yeah. went up one pick, gave up a little bit, and it, was, it wasn't it was just nothing. But I felt like it was a move they needed to make to be able to fill their biggest need on the defense. And they found their guy in Banks. I think it was a solid selection. Another cornerback they selected you weren't as high on, and that's mostly because there were some other players available that you thought maybe were better overall prospects. That's Trey Hawkins. Their, let's see sixth round pick uh, out of old dominion at cornerback so tell us some of these players that you had ranked higher what is trey hawkins as a player you know as well uh, for those who might not be familiar with him well trey hawkins is another guy he's gonna play in man coverage i think he's gonna be good special teamer early on he is a good athlete Uh, i do love this guy's athleticism he's relatively physical he can play inside or out i feel like he's gonna have to 
teams are going to have to just find a prominent role for him. I think there's a good chance he's going to be limited to the inside in the NFL. But this guy can play in man. He runs with just about anyone. The issue is that even though it's a sixth round pick, and I'm being very nitpicky here because I did like the Giants draft overall. I felt like there were other corners that were better suited for the Giants. Carrington Valentine is a guy that slipped in the draft uh, very far. Corey Trice, who ended up falling in the seventh round as well. He went after Trey Hawkins, Amir Speed. All these guys went after Trey Hawkins, and I could have made cases for any of those guys to go as early as the fourth or fifth round. So I thought that Trey Hawkins, based upon who is available, they may have reached for him. But necessarily on grade, I still don't hate the pick. I just felt like they passed up on better talent, guys who could be could have been starters. I don't see Hawkins as a starter long-term, but a guy who will still contribute for them, specifically on special teams in year one. Absolutely. Let's talk about their best value pick. We mentioned him, our boy Eric Gray, the running back out of Oklahoma. Tell us why you like Eric Gray at the value he was selected. He plays faster than what he runs. He didn't test exceptionally well, but he has a good feel. Once he gets into that rhythm, he has enough patience. He has the vision. He's willing to hit the hole. He's a willing pass blocker. Actually, a pretty good pass blocker, to be perfectly yeah. honest. He has soft hands as a pass catcher. decent route runner out of the backfield. He's a well-balanced back. Will he ever be a starter in the NFL? We'll see. I think he has the potential to if the – perfect situation comes into place but i think if you're looking for a security blanket behind saquon barkley this is an ideal selection he's not the biggest guy he's not gonna be the greatest in short yardage situations but a guy who behind a good offensive line the giants offensive line improved i think he can produce early on in his career as the number two runner behind barkley i think he was a solid selection for the giants yeah a violent runner, I think, is you know how he described himself and uh, what you see on tape. Gave them a good grade. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm going to give them an A-. Because they had to trade up one spot for Banks, and they could have just stayed at 25 and gotten Joey Porter Jr., that's why it's not a straight A. Uh, Hyatt is also – Jalen Hyatt is great value in the third. But yeah. they could have used a bigger body in the outside. They yes. have a lot of smaller guys. Hyatt's going to play on the outside, though, so understand the pick. But – they still lack a size at wide receiver. I will say, though, what keeps this from being a B-plus is their undrafted signing of Bryce Ford Wheaton. This guy was an absolute steal. I had a third-round grade on this guy. Yeah. Does he have the greatest hands in the world? No. Do I think they can improve? Yes. A lot of it was a technique issue. He is physical. He's willing to go up and get the football. He's willing to jump up for 50-50 balls, one of the most athletic receivers in the draft, maybe the most athletic receiver, Jeremy. We both yeah. love this guy. I think this guy is going to do wonders for this Giants offense. He's not only going to make the team, but I think he's going to make an impact early, early on. Yeah, not just one of your favorite wide receivers in this class, but one of your favorite players in this class was Bryce Ford Wheaton. And just a total shocker that he went undrafted. Uh, kudos to the Giants for snagging him up. You got something else for us. Well, one thing I want to add on Trey Hawkins, because he does have the size of six foot three, one ninety-five to play on the outside. He is gonna need to add weight, though. He's very agile and plays almost more like a slot receiver, a bigger slot. That's why I'm projecting him into the slot. A lot of people aren't saying that or projecting him to outside due to the size. I think he could play in the slot. That doesn't mean he can't play outside, but you will need to add a little bit more weight, I think. I thought this class was fantastic as well. I went with A minus just like you did. Some of those same reasons why they don't get the solid A, the trade up. I thought that Joey Porter Jr. was definitely a better corner than Deontay Banks as well. So, you know, flip-flopping them kind of dropped them down a little bit for me. But overall, they pick players that are going to be good for their team. Jalen Hyatt is super intriguing in this offense. Can Daniel Jones maximize his speed 
his ability. That is going to be the question. Let's get to maybe the best draft class of, of anyone, the Philadelphia Eagles. In a world where they're coming off a Super Bowl appearance where they lost, but you know, put up fantastic numbers in that game and played a, a winning style of football in that game. And then you thought, oh no, they're gonna lose all these players and they're they're gonna take a step back because they were up against the cap with a lot of these guys. Is it possible, Andrew, to say that maybe they're better after this draft class, especially on the defensive side of the ball, than maybe they even were last year? Let's actually go and look at each of their selections. Obviously, the big one, trade up one spot and still select Jalen Carter with the ninth overall pick in this draft. My top player on the draft board, number one overall, and they get him at nine. That's good value there. Nolan Smith, the outside linebacker from Georgia, another Georgia guy, and that was the theme of the the Eagles draft yet again. He falls to pick 31 in the first round, and they select him there. Fantastic value again. Tyler Steen out of Alabama, the offensive tackle in the third round, and then another third-round pick and another favorite player of ours, Sidney Brown, safety out of Illinois before selecting Keely Ringo out of Georgia, again, in the fourth round, cornerback, a high – Upside guy, but a guy with a lot of of things that they'll need to work through. But still, you can't fault him for for seeing the traits and trying to go for it, especially in the fourth round. Tanner McKee, quarterback out of Stanford, bringing in somebody for competition in that quarterback room. I like McKee out of Stanford. I think he's a good player. And then another one of my favorite players, Moro Ajomo. The Eagles select him in the seventh round, defensive end. This guy's got a chance to use his athleticism and his length to his advantage and, and hopefully make back end of a roster, but a good draft class overall. But Andrew, tell us your favorite pick in this class. I'm going to go with Nolan Smith. I projected him to go to the Eagles in my mock draft at 10, and I didn't think that would have been a bad pick for him there. Him falling all the way to 30 was excellent. Philly seems to be shifting more toward a 3-4 scheme. Now they have enough down linemen. They're still going to be playing some 4-3, and we'll see what they end up doing with Jalen Carter because Jalen Carter's best is – as a three tech and a four three. Yeah. But when you look at Nolan Smith, he can play off ball. He can play off the edge. He is literally Hassan Raddick on steroids. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that literally, please don't take that literally. Um, <laughs> I, as far as I know, Nolan's this clean, uh, but <laughs> excellent value pick getting him to 30. I couldn't believe it when he fell. I'm like, this, this is just not fair at this point, getting him at pick 30. I had an early first on him. I really liked this guy's tape before the injury. He he wasn't the greatest finisher per se, but also, again, it was a very small sample size before that injury. I feel like if he can stay healthy, he could be the difference maker that puts this Eagles defense over the top. Yeah, he's got Hassan Reddick-like vibes to him as a player, a little bit undersized edge rusher, but just all speed, all tenacity. You know, So the, the Eagles are familiar with that style of play and they're ready to bring in somebody else for that. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Uh, your least favorite pick was Tyler Steen, offensive tackle. Tell us a little, a little bit why didn't like this selection as much. Well, they announced him as a guard, so it looks like they're going to be moving him inside the guard. And go. when I looked at who else was available, Braden Daniels, the guy from Utah, I would have been a little bit higher on as a guard. I think Steen could play left or right tackle, probably right tackle in the NFL. We'll see how he transitions inside to guard. But Nick Salaveri is another guy I really, really liked. He could play guard or center at the NFL. I felt like he provided more versatility than Steen did. So I felt like they passed up on a little bit better options. But again, I'm being very nitpicky. This was not an awful pick either for the Eagles. I love this draft overall. I felt they had the best draft of any team in the league. 
So th- this is very minor, but I felt 65 may have been a little bit of a reach for Tyler Steenberg. Yeah, very well could have been, but you talk about another selection of theirs for value. Sidney Brown, the safety out of Illinois. You and I probably were a little higher on him, especially you. Was he your number one safety in the class? Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. So tell us a little bit about uh, how he fits with this Eagles team that makes him the best value for them. This guy plays bigger than his size, and he flies to the football. Those of you fans who remember Troy Polamalu, Hall of Fame safety, one of the best safeties of all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. I'm not saying this guy is Troy, but he plays like a mini Troy. He flies all over the field. He'll do just about anything on the football field. He's a great open field tackler. He's got excellent ball skills. He's got great instincts. I can't find anything in this guy's game I don't like. He's willing to do just about anything. He comes down to the box. He's willing to play the run. He can blitz. This guy can do it all from the strong safety position. I think this guy's going to be an excellent safety in the NFL. A little bit raw. Some people are saying I don't see that. I think he can step yeah. in day one and be an immediate contributor. I think he's going to be in a safety rotation year one in Philadelphia. Yes. And then year two, he's Terrell Edmonds's replacement. I think Edmonds was a great pickup for him. But Sidney Brown's the long-term answer. This guy, I think, has a chance to be a star in the NFL. People are really underestimating his potential. I think the Eagles really did a great job balancing help us now with future investment as well. And some of these guys, they're going to be players for a long time. And the Eagles are going to have more decisions to make when that time comes because you've got two really good draft classes in a row for them. This one, you gave an A+. I give it an A+. I don't think we need to dive into it too deep. It was my favorite draft of anyone in the National Football League this year. And like you said, the same thing just a minute ago as well. So let's move on to the final team in the NFC East. The Washington Commanders, who were a French playoff team for part of the year last year before kind of falling off near the end. They've got some questions along the offensive side of the ball, especially, but this is a team that uh, should be well coached. They've got a fairly good defense. They've added some pieces as well. In the first round, they went with Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback out of Mississippi state, absolute ball Hawk. I think he's got six pick sixes in his college career. So uh, he takes the ball away. He knows how to score. He's got, a real run after catch ability on the defensive side of the ball. That's a very big deal for him. They stay in the secondary with Jartavius Martin, who is a, just a fantastic athlete. And then in the third round center, Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas, good player, Brayden Daniels in the fourth round offensive guard, adding to that offensive line a little bit more KJ Henry defensive end outside linebacker from Clemson, Chris Rodriguez in the sixth round. He's a running back out of Kentucky, and then Andre Jones, the outside linebacker out of Louisiana in the seventh. Another good draft class here. Tell us who your favorite player from this class is for them. I'm going to go with Emmanuel Forbes. Did they pass up on better corners? Yes. But I love Forbes' tape. Like you mentioned, the ball skills. He's got excellent ball skills. He's feisty. He will put up a fight. You you don't expect it from a guy this small, but he's not a bad tackler. Yes, he's going to want to add more weight. He has the frame to do it. He has to add more weight in the NFL. But for a guy who didn't have it in college, he made the most with what he had. He was feisty. He will not leave receivers alone in man coverage. I really like this pick. He's a good fit for what the commanders are building on defense and pairing him with Jartavius Martin, a guy who could play corner or safety. They added some speed to the secondary. They got a lot more athletic in the secondary. I think this is a pick 
a lot of people are saying, well, it was a reach. Perhaps. But I feel like this is a guy who is going to contribute not only immediately, but is going to improve year after year after year as he adds more weight, as he gets more familiar with an NFL system. This is a good place for Emmanuel Forbes to land. Does he have a chance to be the best cornerback in this class, you think, with the ball skills and maybe adding a little more weight? Is he on that tier necessarily? Yes, I wouldn't project him to be. I think that Devin Witherspoon – Joey Porter Jr., Christian Gonzalez, even Deontay Banks all possess just as much or more upside and have a little bit higher floor than Forbes. Mm. But I do feel as if in a perfect scenario, I mean, he he may not be the CB1 of this class, but he does have the potential to be a CB1 for Washington and a guy to, who can make Pro Bowls moving forward. Their third-round pick was a Ricky Stromberg center, your least favorite pick for the Commanders this year. Yeah, he's not the greatest athlete. I got to talk to him for a little bit at the scouting combine uh, during his press interview, and he's a really good guy. Uh, This isn't a knock on him as a person, but Washington, their bigger need was an offensive tackle. Charles Leno isn't getting any younger. I like Sadiq Charles. I liked him coming out of LSU, but he's not the answer at offensive tackle long-term for them. They need to replenish. They need to get more depth there. I felt like with Blake Freeland on the board, he would have been a great pick at this point. A developmental tackle, very raw, but a guy who has some upside. I thought he would have been a good fit for them. Obviously, they had different ideas, but I just didn't understand it, not just from a need standpoint. Yes, they could have afforded to upgrade the center position, but I don't think it is was necessarily an immediate need. Yeah, I can see absolutely where you're coming from on that for the commanders. Let's talk about a, another offensive lineman though, that you thought was good value for the commanders. It was the fourth round for Braden Daniels. What, what do you think about this value? This guy has versatility and we were talking about tackle a minute ago. Maybe this is their plan at tackle. I think Braden Daniels moves inside to guard. Personally, he played a lot of tackle at Utah was relatively efficient at that spot. He was a technician. I think he moves inside to guard. He has the power. He has the athleticism to play at either spot. But I feel like his game overall translates better to guard a little bit too much of a straight line athlete. I think that could concern teams. He doesn't bend that great. I feel like if he can just keep those pads a little bit lower, he's going to be a really good guard. He's going to move people in the run game. He can get out and pull. That's going to be a big key for Washington. Will they ask him to pull in their running game. This guy's got good athleticism. I also want to mention Chris Rodriguez uh, because he was a steal in the sixth round as well. A guy who I had a fourth round grade on has some off the field concerns, but a guy who's also been through a lot dealing with just death in the family, a lot of different things that he struggled with, but a guy who's motivated, a guy who I think in a lot of ways has a similar game to Brian Robinson, their other running back. So if something happens to Robinson, I feel like, Rodriguez is a guy who can replace that role as a short yardage back, a guy who can move the chains when you need him to. With the running back spot specifically, there were a lot of pundits who thought that they could address that a lot sooner with a higher level pick, if you will. But they like what they've got in Brian Robinson, I think, and the pieces there. They've got a quarterback that is mobile as well. So I'm guessing that they're uh, looking forward to using him as a weapon in the run game as well so it's intriguing for the commanders they've some high upside picks but some guys that also have some risk coming with them so uh, let's talk about a grade for the commanders Andrew 
Yeah, I'm going to give them a C-. I really did not like their draft overall. It would have been worse if not for some good day three value that they got. We mentioned Braden Daniels. We mentioned Chris Rodriguez. Andre Jones from Louisiana, good value in the seventh round. But they're early picks. Like, I I don't mind the Emmanuel Forbes pick. I put that as my favorite pick because I think this guy's going to be good. Not because I thought he was the perfect pick for them where sure. they got him. I felt like he was a slight reach. Jartavius Martin, solid pick, but still really raw. And then Ricky Stromberg, we mentioned before, it was just a continuous trend of reaches for Washington. They were one of my least favorite drafts overall. They may find some starters from this draft, maybe a single or double, definitely not a home run draft. Sounds good. Hey, if you're a fan of one of these NFC East teams, though, you have a a division that is going to be a tight race, especially when you're talking about that wild card spot, potentially. I think the Eagles are the best team in this division. So if you're an Eagles fan, you're sitting pretty after this draft. You know, that's going to do it for us here for the NFC East. No longer the NFC least. This division looks good, Andrew. We're going to be back with some more draft recaps on fans for sports networks nfl feed keep an eye out for these coming as they will over the next few weeks that's going to do it for us though for andrew wilbar this is jeremy betts this has been the ffsn nfl draft recap for the nfc east i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Time to stop and check 